All right, Molly, are you ready? Nick, I was born ready. Should I call you Saint Nick? You can call me Saint Nick. That seems appropriate for now. I've been called a lot of different names that have to do with Nick. Uh-huh. Everything from Saint Nick, Nickelodeon, uh. Nick at Night. Uh. There's a lot. A lot of nicknames yeah. out there. Dude, you just did that. Well done. Thank you. Well done. All right. Just know you have the right to not self-incriminate, <laughs> but also it might be more fun if you did. <laughs> Fair. Okay. Have you ever re-gifted a present? Oh, um, yep. I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. What is the worst Christmas song? Oh, the Mariah Carey one. Really? Easy. That's a hot take, I feel like. I mean, like, I could live the rest of my life and not hear her croon about Christmas. I mean, they call wow. her the queen of Christmas, but like, no. Hmm. No, no. Well, you might have already answered my next question. It's, what's your Christmas hot take? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think the inflatable yard decorations, um, like in my neighborhood, I just saw the Mandalorian pop up with Grogu holding Grogu. And I just don't understand. I mean, like I could, I'm okay with Die Hard being a Christmas movie, mm-hmm. but I don't understand what the Mandalorian has to do with Christmas. Does it have to do with Christmas? I, mean, I feel like it's just, it just for fun. It's just Disney moving in everywhere, making money. But I might be going, a little, I might be going a little Grinch on you, St. Nick. <laughs> okay. And now, now you've got to really be honest. Okay. Do you actually think it's the thought that counts? <laughs> I feel like that phrase, no, I mean, I don't have a great response for this. I'd say get a good gift and try harder next time. (laughs) Because there's a difference between a meaningful gift that you put thought into, but doesn't have like a cost to it. Oh. And like just uh, getting someone a... Stick yeah. a chapstick from the store because you wanted to get him a present. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. If the chapstick, if there's an like an internal joke associated right. with the chapstick, right. that could be a perfect Christmas gift. It so could. maybe that could be the maybe I'm backing up. Maybe maybe I'm saying that it's the thought that counts. Um, but better yet, it's the inside joke and the laugh factor mm. that counts. So there has to be like serious thought for it to count. Yeah, not like oh, it's my, not the afterthought that counts. My sister has ears. I will get her Q-tips for Christmas. I thought about it. Yeah, everyone runs out eventually. So I guess, I, I mean, don't know. Yeah. There you go. That's, that's my thought on that. Of course. Yeah. Well, I love it. Okay. Welcome to Christmas, everybody. And welcome to the Compass Christmas podcast, where our goal is to focus on the rest of Christmas and to discover what it means to cultivate peace and rest in what can be a very stressful and possibly overwhelming time. My name is Nick. And I'm Molly. Welcome to the show. Nick, what you got for us today? Well, actually, I did some research. And according to ChatGPT, the opposite of peace in a relationship could be characterized by tension, animosity, disagreement, hostility, resentment, that's a big word, friction, and disharmony. It may also involve a lack of understanding, communication breakdowns, or possibly a pervasive sense of unease or unrest in a relationship. That sounds pretty scary. 
If you and I were to go back to the beginning, we were created to exist with God in a relationship that has no animosity, no hostility, no disharmony. Our communication with God was made by taking steps and walking alongside each other in the Garden of Eden, a place that was characterized by rest, by rest and it was filled with grace. And then we reached for the fruit. God's amazing world-changing plan then was to reunite us to him despite our sin through a relationship. It was mind-blowing to think God himself would bring his presence to earth to dwell within a temple. And that's what he did because his desire was for us to know him, to relate to him and to be with him again without animosity or hostility or disharmony that sin caused. He provided that way through a temple system and a sacrificial system. Yet again, we proved that this kind of relationship wouldn't work due to our own propensity towards sin. What God desired was mercy, not sacrifice. He wanted people to know him, not just to use him. So again, God made a new way when he was born into our world, becoming like one of us. Somehow God became united with human flesh so that he could unite us to himself. Not just Jews, but Gentiles too, both men and women. The presence of God was not just for one high priest one day a year, but for all who would believe in Jesus and draw near to God through faith. Romans 5, 1-4 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Here's the big idea. When we are united to Christ, we experience peace. Now, we can't perform union with Christ. Our work is unable to achieve union with Christ. It's actually a lot simpler than that. Being united to Christ is a state of being in an identity statement, a relationship that Romans says we enter into simply by faith. And at the same time that union with Christ is not a work, if your identity is united with Christ, it does change the way we live. Because union with Christ leads to certain life changes. I mean, think of the book of James or a scripture's analogy that you can tell a tree by its fruit. For those of us who are united with Christ, we have access to a relationship that is the fountain of peace. We have conversations with the person who invented peace. We receive the privilege of Adam and Eve as we get to walk alongside of the God who created rest. Followers of Jesus have placed their faith in the all-powerful God who set aside the seventh day to rest. This Christmas season, we are committed to remembering that when Jesus came into this world, he was making a way for us to enter that rest, to experience God's peace, and to do that through a relationship with him. What I'd like to ask you to do today is to set aside specific time to do that. Now, thinking about your schedule for the rest of your day, I'd like you just as best as you can to shoot for a specific time and schedule just a 10-minute window for you to be without distraction. Now, I know I'm speaking as someone without kids, uh, and that might be hard, but let's shoot for the stars. These 10 minutes aren't performance-based. There's, there's, no, there's no error or sin if you don't get 10 minutes in. 
And this might cause sacrifice for you to set aside this time, but I like as best as you're able to create a specific time to set aside and spend with Jesus, who we call our lifeline of peace. Those 10 minutes might be spent going on a walk. They may be sitting in your favorite chair. It may be laying down in your bed. I mean, as long as you're careful about not falling asleep. I just like to suggest that you spend this time in a prayerful meditation, spoken or silent, or maybe in silence and solitude. Now, here at Compass, you gotta know, we are all about creating space. And so as you create this time and space in your life for Jesus, what we're trying to do is lean into spiritual practices and spiritual disciplines that cultivate peace through our relationship with God. So as you enter into this prayerful time, I'd like to ask you to read Romans 5, 1 through 4 again. And spend this time, dedicate this time to being with the creator of rest and peace. Through Jesus, Romans says that you and I have access to a special kind of grace. When we come to this grace, we are entering into a spiritual Eden where you and I get to stand in that empty place of peace, walk with God, and be in a relationship that is just brimming over with peace. If you find your imagination wandering, maybe you can just take those fears or distractions or anxieties, form them into a big old ball, and lock them in a safe just for a few minutes. Now you can get those back out when you're done, but I'd just like you to ask, I'd like to ask you to spend this time just existing with Jesus. Breathe peacefully in the presence of God. Exist with the God of peace. Submit to Him who holds fear and anxiety. Release to Jesus the things that you might find hardest to let go of. Trust the one who holds you in His hands and counts the very hairs on your head that He's got you that he's good. And I believe that when we truly experience the love and the grace of God, we will experience his peace. Wow, Nick. Well, thank you for bringing those thoughts on Romans 5. Um, I I do have kids, (laughs) and I'm thinking about what it might look like for me later this evening um, to kind of remove myself from the mix make a plan. Um, There's a spot downstairs in the basement. Yes, it's chaotic down there, but maybe just meeting with Jesus for 10 minutes. Um, Maybe even just kind of lighting a candle and sitting there quietly as a reminder that that Jesus is is present. He is the with us God and experiencing that peace. That's, That's a good word. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. I hope we can all discover and encourage one another to realize the beauty of peace in chaos. Yes and amen. Well, thanks for listening, friends. We hope that you'll catch up with us next week uh, for another take on the rest of Christmas. Christmas.